the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Good Saturday morning to you. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast just go to Apple Podcasts and you can find us there. Uh, welcome to the Your Financial Auditor program. So glad to have you. Hope your weekend's going well. Really good uh, program planned out for you today. Interesting top stories. Big uh, announcements as far as economic data. And then joining me in just a little bit, a uh, friend of the program, Miss Laura Reese. Uh, she uh, is an expert in border security and immigration. Uh, actually, at the Department of Homeland Security, she uh, acted as the acting deputy chief of staff. Uh, she comes onto the program and uh, gets us up to speed on what's really going on at the border. Um, hard to listen to these days. Really, really sad what's happening at the border and, uh, and, and to our country. So we'll be talking with uh, Laura in just a little bit. Talk of the town this week, some guy named Elon Musk. I don't know. They say he's like the richest guy in the world worth $280 billion or so. But, uh, yeah, on Monday, uh, Twitter accepted um, in a unanimous way, as far as the board of directors go, Elon Musk's $44 billion offer to uh, take the social media company private. So uh, under the terms of the agreement, Twitter stockholders are going to receive $54.20 in cash for each share of the common stock that they own. Uh, The purchase price is about a 38% premium to Twitter's closing price on April 1st. That was the last trading day before Musk disclosed he had a 9.2% stake in the company. Um, So uh, really, like I said, talk of the town. Musk, he's a self-described free speech uh, absolutist. Um, He's been critical of the platform and the current CEO, which a lot of people have been critical of Twitter and the the uh, not only the leadership, really, it's the rank and file, too. Um, Just a bunch of uh, really weak people that that worked there when they first heard about Elon Musk. going after the company, they needed a day off because they were so stressed out. I mean, think about that. Um, just how how much of a sissy you must be if you need a day off because, uh, you, you know, you, you hear that you're going to have a new owner of the company and it doesn't fit with you and what you've been doing for so many years. Um, so then other people jumped into the conversation. You had the mayor of Jacksonville, Florida, Uh, calling uh, Elon Musk to move Twitter from San Francisco to um, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, The mayor was saying he thought it would be a great place uh, for them to land. They've got a lot of companies representing a lot of employees, a lot of access to talent in that area. So the mayor was saying, come on down. Uh, That followed comments uh, from Florida's chief financial officer, calling uh, on Musk to move Twitter to Florida. Um, And, you know, he may very well do something like that because he's already moved Tesla 
from San Francisco to uh, to Texas in Austin, Texas. He did that last year. So people know that, you know, he'll do uh, something like that in a heartbeat. So um, these people at Twitter are threatening to quit. They're whining. They're crying. Um, you've got media and uh, uh, liberals and progressives in general that are doing the exact same thing. Why? You have to ask yourself, right, who would be afraid of free speech? You know, why do they want things suppressed, which is exactly what happens with all of uh, uh, technology, big tech these days, you know, whether it's uh, Google uh, and what they do on their search engine or YouTube or whether it's Facebook or Instagram uh, you name it, and they choose what you see, what you hear, and what uh, you know what you're exposed to. Um, so, if that's not a telltale sign of corruption, and just how upset uh, these uh, the, the social media, the media in general, mainstream uh, media, uh, politicians, you know, now you've got Department of Homeland Security uh, talking about a monitoring. Um, board, if you will, of uh, of of how they're going to monitor what's correct content and what's not. We'll talk to Laura Reese about that since she was at the Department of Homeland Security. Um, I'm sure she's going to have an interesting uh, take on that. Something a little scary this week, Goya Foods, uh, Bob Unane um, warned on Tuesday that the world is on the brink of a food crisis. So in an interview, uh, he, you know, was saying that the world has weaponized food. We're on the, uh, you know, on the verge of a global food crisis, according to him. Uh, Inflation accelerated, as you know, to a four decade high last month. Uh, We still have supply chain issues. You've got the Russian war in Ukraine. Um, So, you know, a lot of these things are really weighing on the global uh, food supply. And um, inflation's not going away. Uh, You know, obviously, we're all dealing with it every day. It's extremely painful. Literally, every day when you wake up, you're dealing with it. Um, And then what we learn is Russia and Ukraine account for about 29% of global wheat exports. 19% of global corn supplies, and 80% of the world's sunflower oil exports. So, uh, and then you've got that area as is also one of the world's biggest exporters of three major groups of fertilizers. So fertilizer prices are through the roof now. Um, And you've got the Russians, you know, Vladimir Putin, he's just a monster, just like Xi Jinping in China and Maduro in Venezuela and the others. Um, But uh, the Russians have attacked irrigation systems over there. They've attacked train systems. They've sent millions and millions of women and children into exile. We know that. Uh, So, uh, again, the CEO of Goya was saying that the countries that will suffer are the innocent ones in Africa and around the globe. So, you know, we're going to be fortunate here because even if someone calls you poor in uh, in America these days, you're still better off than many, many places around the world where they really do have uh, extreme poverty. So, um 
a lot of people, innocent people, are going to suffer because of uh, of what Putin's doing. Um, just like in any other case, when there's a, a senseless war. Uh, and, and innocent women and children are either killed from the war or just uh, collateral damage, if you will, like we might see with this food issue. Um, also, I saw this week a sharp, unexpected downturn in trucking demand since the beginning of March could be evidence of a looming economic recession. That was according to the uh, uh, strategist at Bank of America's Trucking Research. He put it in a note saying that um, that he sees that shippers are rapidly softening up uh, the demand for trucks out there with the gauge tracking truckload demand falling for the fourth consecutive month to its lowest level since June of 2020. And on an annual basis, again, according to this this analyst, he said that uh, the gauge has plummeted 23%. So that's uh, obviously uh, something of concern. Respondents noted a softening demand outlook, uh, loosening market, deteriorating rail service, and pricing softness in the market. So I think what that may be telling us is that these inflationary issues are really starting, <clears throat> excuse me, to weigh on uh, consumers. Also, we saw this week, this wasn't good, diesel supply is over 20% below the average for this time of year because of the ban on uh, Russian diesel and reduced global diesel refining capacity. Uh, what's that all about? Well, that's about the climate change stuff that, um, you know, is being that, that whole narrative has been hijacked. Even Obama's t- uh, chief scientist put that in his book. OK, is climate change real? Sure. Climate always changes. Always, always has, always will. I don't think that takes I mean, we could, you know, a first grader knows that. But the way that the media and politicians have hijacked the issue. That's what his top scientist was saying is uh, is incorrect and really a shame and misleading. So um, but part of that, again, you're not seeing energy production when it's needed. Uh, it, it, it's really needed now. We all know that we see what's going on with uh, energy prices, how it's hurting. Who does it hurt? You know, it doesn't hurt people that are able to fill their vehicles with fuel or, or heat their homes or do whatever they need to do. Um, it hurts poor people. It hurts people on fixed incomes. It hurts single moms out there. I mean, people literally for months and months now have been making very, very hard decisions on energy and transportation, on food, on medications, on apparel, I mean, you name it, everybody's making, well, not everybody, but many, many people, and unfortunately those at risk the most, are making very, very hard, painful decisions every single day. Uh, And and I don't know, it it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Um, The administration continues to deny uh, that the economy is in uh, poor shape. They continue to deny that um, inflation is their fault. They want to blame everybody else. They want to blame Putin. They want to blame the 
distribution lines. They want to blame energy companies. They want to just blame everybody instead of being big boys and girls and saying we really have messed up and we need to fix what we've wrecked. But, uh, again, I'm not going to hold my breath for that. But, you know, something that um, came out this week, I think it was on Wednesday, a Gallup survey uh, shows that Americans have low levels of confidence when it comes to the economy. Only 42% rating the current economic conditions. Um, well, 42% say that it's poor. 42%. And what's more, most Americans expect the economy to deteriorate further by 76%. They're saying 76% of these people, you know, 7.5% people that were polled by Gallup, think the economy is going to get worse. I mean, we don't need that, right? Um, four in 10 Americans have identified economic issues as the biggest problem facing the United States. That's the highest level in six years. Uh, it's just, you know, they need to stop blaming people. Whoever's driving the clown car. You know, I mean, it's it's I think it's obvious it's Obama's people behind the scenes. Um, they need to stop causing all this damage to the country. They need to change these policies and help people, especially those who need it the most. Economic data on the other side of this break. Again, that wasn't very good. Sinners sing a song for the saints, the ones still living and the ones it ain't. Sing a song. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast and you can uh, see uh, the podcast here. I guess I should say it's there uh, in their library. And um, as far as economic news this week, oh, I wanted to uh, remind you two things. One, um, our white paper, Will the Biden Presidency Influence Stock Markets? Uh, a look at parties, politics, and potential returns. Very timely, obviously. We've had it up for a while. We're going to take it down soon. But you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and get that uh, white paper delivered right to your uh, email. Uh, so uh, if you want to take advantage that, of that, again, it's Will the Biden Presidency Influence Stock Markets? A look at parties, politics, and potential returns. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's right there on the homepage. You just click on the uh, button, the download button, and it's a uh, complimentary download of the white paper to your uh, email. And also right around the corner uh, is uh, Miss Laura Reese, um, and she's an expert on uh, immigration and border security. <laughs> How timely is that, right? Uh, she was the uh, acting deputy uh, uh, director uh, at Human or the Department of Homeland Security, excuse me. So she's coming up uh, in just a little bit, but I wanted to remind you of the white paper um, as well. And when we look at the data, 
this week, quite a bit of it, uh, bookings for all durable goods, which are products that are intended to last uh, at least three years, were up eight-tenths of one percent, the Commerce Department said. little shy of what economists were looking for. But again, the figure, uh, I, th- I think it suggests that business investment is still pretty decent. Factories are trying to produce, uh, you know, large amounts of, of goods uh, and products uh, so that they can get get out what people need. But we still have um, delivery issues with the distribution chain uh, and, and other things. But um, it's, it's crazy here. People waiting on, you know, countertops. Uh, cabinets, refrigerators, you name it, people are waiting on it. Uh, as far as housing, a little bit of data this week uh, came out. Sales of new U.S. single-family homes really uh, took a tumble in March. New home sales plunged 8.6% last month. Uh, according to the Commerce Department, sales were down in all four regions. They were down over 12.5% year over year. Some of that, the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage averaged 5.11%. Uh, that's the highest since uh, April of 2010, according to um, Freddie Mac. I saw that earlier this week. And also, uh, it's just uh, the supply-demand issue. Uh, can't They just can't get houses uh, built quick enough. Uh, we saw pending home sales in March fall 1.2% from the prior month, according to the National Association of Realtors. Um, You know, that's not what we want to see because the falling contract signings are implying that multiple offers will soon dissipate and be replaced by much calmer and normalized market conditions. Well, I guess that depends. That was from their economists. I guess that depends uh, on whether you're a seller or a buyer, right? Um, I know the buyers out there, people have been making crazy um, offers and getting in these bidding wars and often coming up, you know, with nothing because they can't keep up or they can't match. And then with interest rates creeping up and mortgages getting a little more expensive, people get priced out. Really a shame, especially for those first time home buyers that, you know, the, the young uh, families that want to get uh, kind of get situated, you know, and start building their lives. So we'll have to see how that changes uh, throughout the rest of this year. And then the big um, boom happened, um, you know, on uh, on Thursday. We saw that uh, for the first three months of this year, the gross domestic product, which is the broadest measure of goods and services produced across our entire economy here in America, shrank 1.4% on an annualized basis. So from January to March, we were in the red, according to the Commerce Department. Um, That was worse than any economist had predicted. The consensus by economists was an expansion or plus 1.1 percent, not minus 1.4 percent by any means. So um, we'll get two more revisions, one next month. And then one at the end of June as well. And we'll see how that all shakes out. But uh, just a reminder, uh, the, uh, the the textbook definition of a recession is two quarters back to back of negative GDP growth. So there's one. We'll see what the revisions look like. 
We'll see. Again, you get back to the policies to these clowns. Um, if they knew, you know, what business was and, and how things really worked, I think we'd be um, in a lot better shape. But um, we'll keep an eye on it. And uh, again, our latest white paper, Will the Biden Presidency Influence Stock Markets? A look at parties, politics and potential returns. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and uh, it's right on the homepage. Just click the download button and it goes right to your email and uh, people, you know, they write notes on it. They highlight uh, sometimes often uh, after that, you know, they'll bring it in and uh, talk and we'll have questions and answers for them, that, that kind of thing. So uh, help yourself to that. And right around the corner, Miss Laura Reese, uh, an expert expert on um, border security, on immigration. We know what's going on now. Uh, what potential impact is that going to have on our labor markets, uh, on our economy? Uh, most recently, she was the acting deputy chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security. So uh, it's great to have her as a friend of the program, and she's right around the corner. Yeah, I could buy Maybach, but I'm still in my F-150. Enter with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Uh, as I was talking about prior to the break, a really good conversation planned. A uh, friend of the program, Ms. Laura Rice, uh, she's the director of the board, uh, uh, the Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. She was formerly acting deputy chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security um, and really has interesting perspective on this extremely important issue uh, that we uh, definitely try to talk about often because it's so important. So uh, we want to get the, the latest, uh, if you will, an update on that. Good morning, Miss Reese. How are you? I'm well, thanks for having me on. Oh, sure. Yeah, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to, to join us again. I appreciate it. So I guess one of the things uh, to start with, just in case people don't understand what Title 42 is that they're hearing about or seeing, um, what is it and what type of impact uh, does it have on the border? Sure. So Title 42 is a Centers for Disease and Control um, CDC health authority uh, used to protect public health. So in March of 2020, as we were starting to shut down due to COVID, uh, CDC issued authority for our border agents to quickly expel illegal aliens uh, to protect public health of the agents themselves, Americans, and also the migrants. And so agents were able to turn someone back under that Title 42 authority in about 15 minutes. 
if they are required to process someone into the U.S., even putting them into what's known as removal proceedings, that takes about two hours and pulls a lot of people off the line, leaving our border wide open. And so when the Biden administration came into the White House, uh, the radical left was immediately calling for them to end Title 42 because they viewed it as an enforcement tool. And to the left, any enforcement of immigration is a bad thing. Yet the Biden administration had all sorts of other COVID restrictions upon us, and so they kept it in place. Now they have announced seven weeks in advance that they're going to lift this authority, effective May 23rd, giving smugglers all kinds of time to round up more illegal aliens to cross the border. And they know that agents are going to be pulled off the line to go do the two-hour paper processing, and it's going to be much easier to come in, and they're already seeing quite a jump in the numbers of illegal alien encounters. Um, What do you think the likelihood of this uh, uh, being uh, canceled is? Well, the administration says they're still planning on uh, doing this May 23rd. A growing number of Democrats in Congress has have said that this should be extended. Uh, but, you know, you've you got to look at the calendar. November's coming up, and they're suddenly interested in border security and calling for the extension of Title 42. They've been silent up to this point, even though we've had month after month after month of historic illegal alien encounter numbers. So it's completely political for them. But if it's good for an election, it's good all the time. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, unless Congress passes a bill that, that extends it, uh, I don't see the White House uh, changing their mind on this. Right. So uh, and you kind of already answered this, but I, I'm sure a lot of people wonder, are Custom and Border Patrol professionals, are they actually able to do their jobs right now? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> They, their job is to secure the border and enforce immigration law, and they have been directed by the administration to instead process people in. Uh, they, they basically call themselves travel agents now. That's, that's what they feel like they are doing. Um, and so the administration is all about just getting people in more quickly um, and not having them backed up in, say, um, Uh, border patrol stations or processing centers, because then that brings media attention. And the administration doesn't want Americans to see that. So it's all about speed. It's all about one way into the U.S. And uh, they've they've virtually shut down ICE and immigration enforcement, so they get to stay. So I'm sure the morale, um, if you have any insight to this, I mean, is obvious when you said uh, that that they have uh, the feeling of being a travel agent, but I would assume that their morale is uh, really in the tank. It's never been lower from what they're saying. Um, and, and, you know, some even will say that they're you know, worse than a travel agent. They are a link in the chain of the smuggling that's going on. Um, and, you know, another key part of this that Americans need to be aware of uh, is the involvement of the NGOs or non-governmental or, uh, organizations. So the administration has given various grants, lots of American taxpayer money to NGOs that could be church groups like Catholic Charities. Uh, it could be you know, other nonprofits uh, funded by 
George Soros and other, you know, left friends to help both with the migration south of our border, but then as soon as CBP hands them off, you it's the NGOs who are receiving them, uh, getting them plane tickets anywhere in the U.S., uh, getting them housing, et cetera. Um, and truly, this is a smuggling operation, and uh, the agents are completely demoralized that they are instructed to just hand them off to these groups. And it's really a shame because uh, it's like uh, other law enforcement and first responders, the way they've been treated the last uh, few years uh, with uh, the the terrible morale that they have. And then, of course, that leads to um, early resignations or retirement and then also uh, a real problem for recruiting uh, new professionals. Um, I know I, I see it often on LinkedIn. Yeah, I was very surprised that uh, 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 Custom and Border Patrol advertisements, um, whether it's for, you know, working on a boat to try to help, you know, up and down the waterways or whatever it might be. Um, so I'm sure they're having a very hard time to uh, to get more talent uh, to try to help with this uh, th- this problem of protecting the country. Yeah, it is. It's a safe bet. I mean, in normal times, it's, um, you know, you're asking people to move their families to very remote locations um, and to have agents conduct very difficult jobs. Um, But under these conditions, it's it's far, far worse. And for as much disdain as the left has for kind of regular law enforcement, uh, their disdain for immigration enforcement officers is even greater. Yeah, and I noticed uh, the other day one of the uh, the White House uh, press meetings um, when asked about the uh, National Guardsman who uh, who lost his life tragically trying to save uh, what it sounds like the alleged you know uh, drug dealers smugglers. Uh, and drowned. Uh, when asked about that, um, Jen Psaki said that um, that they weren't a federal, uh, you know, person. They were there uh, because of the state. So almost like, you know, we don't have any connection with that. Well, the National Guard wouldn't for Texas wouldn't have been there if they had been doing their jobs. Exactly. She's, she has no self-awareness on this. They will never admit that, that this administration and its policies are the reason uh, that we have this crisis, that Texas has had to go through uh, such great efforts to try and slow things down, um, and that this uh, brave guardsman lost his life trying to rescue other human beings um, who you know, turn out to be some of the worst if they, it is true that they are drug traffickers. And so, um, you know, they, they show what they care about and don't care about. And uh, the other example is the, when they claimed that the horse patrol were whipping migrants. That was visibly untrue, quickly dispelled, even by the photographer. And yet they will never admit it or apologize for it. Yeah, that, that was actually my next uh, question for you. I mean, do you think we're ever going to see the uh, the results of that, I guess you can say, investigation that they said that they were going to do, even though uh, they had already uh, determined that these, uh, these guys were uh, guilty of doing their job the right way? Well, a while back, I want to say it was November, uh, the, they did say that the Inspector General wasn't going to review it. I suspect that's all we're going to get.
That's such a shame. It, it really is. Uh, we're talking with my guest this morning, Miss Laura Reese. Uh, she's the director of, of uh, the Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. And uh, she was formerly acting deputy chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security. And uh, on the other side of this break, we're going to take a quick break. We're actually going to talk about uh, these uh, immigrants that are being flown around the country and um, and and just kind of a little bit of, of uh, insight from Miss Rees as she shared with us before. Uh, actually- Welcome to the show. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can grab it there. Uh, wrapping up our conversation with our guest this morning, Ms. Laura Reese, uh, Director of uh, the Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. She was formerly Acting Deputy Chief of Staff at Department of Homeland Security and um, does a lot of really, really good work in the area of uh, border security and immigration. You can go to um, uh, the website and learn more about that. Uh, Just go to heritage.org and uh, you can find all of her good work. You've probably seen her on TV or uh, read some of the the print media that she's done as well. So, um, Laura, if you will, just uh, give us an idea. What was it like when you lived in Mexico City, kind of seeing things from the other side of the border? So it was quite some time ago. It was in the 90s. And, you know, Central America, you get, or excuse me, Central Mexico, um, you, you get a good flavor for true Mexico. Um, and, you know, it's, it's quite a contrast of um, economics, whether, you know, a small, very wealthy uh, population and then a very large, poor population um, and, and rather small middle class. Um, it, it's a very different feel than, say, northern Mexico. And I would say one big thing that has changed is back in the 90s, if you were even along the very um, southern part of the U.S. or northern Mexico, you would see people um, congregating along the border, looking north, trying to figure out how they were going to get across and not be caught. But they were individuals. Um, often men or um, older teenage boys. Um, You weren't necessarily seeing families, and it was certainly not organized by so many of these leftist groups. Now it is a lot of families, unfortunately unaccompanied children, and it is all very organized. There's not a person who crosses that border now that's not uh, indirectly touched by the cartels. And you have a lot of these um, NGOs, again, funded by um, leftist organizations or leaders, wealthy people like uh, George Soros, who create these migration corridors and weaponize mass migration. Uh, He's doing it in Central America and Mexico. He's been doing this in the Middle East and elsewhere also. And so that is why when we started seeing the... um, caravans forming back in um, you know, 2014 and following, 
Uh, that is what is behind all this. So it is very, very different now. It's much more organized. And again, we were, you know, a lot of people don't know it, but they're flying people literally in the dark of night, or I should say early a.m., you know, two, three o'clock in the morning. They're showing up on tarmacs uh, of flights that people had no idea they were you know, going to be coming in to these various regional airports. And then nobody knows what happens to them. Yes, obviously the administration does not want the spotlight on this, um, and that's why they're doing it in the middle of the night. Um, and so whenever a, vi- a video leaks out of this, uh, they suddenly have to talk about it, which they simply don't want to do. And no, we don't know where they are all, all are going. Um, and so this administration has been anything but transparent about who's involved, how much money is being spent on this, and where all these people are going. They're not being tracked, and they're not going to be sent home. Um, and so we need a lot more um, lights uh, sh- shine on this, and Americans speaking up and asking questions, as well as politicians at all levels, uh, demanding that they be given notice and be given much more information. And this is just uh, not only because it's a, a national security uh, issue, obviously, for our country, and you can't have financial security, which this program is generally, you know, focused on on the financial side, but you can't have financial security if you don't have national security. So why more people aren't talking about this? And then, of course, just the humanitarian side. I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach because I literally when I – you know, discuss this or think about it. Realistically, you have to wonder last night how many women or children were raped or trafficked or, um, you know, how many drowned, how many died of thirst in the desert. I mean, there's so many horrific things that are that are associated with this that nobody really talks about that, um, you know, if you're not careful, it'll drive you crazy. I know, like I said, it, it it's just a terrible thing to have to think about. And um, not many people are talking about it. Uh, and that's really, really a shame. Yeah, this administration repeats ad nauseum that what they are doing is safe, orderly, and humane. And anyone with eyes to see knows that it's simply false. They are encouraging more unaccompanied children across the border, parents to to place their children in those conditions. Um, Women are getting raped. Girls are getting raped, killed. Um, And so there's absolutely nothing humane about this. And what this administration needs to do and what Congress needs to do is prevent the illegal immigration, not process them in faster and not give DHS money to, to carry this out. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, so um, from, you know, give us your insight as to what does this do, this problem, what does this do to our labor markets here in the United States when you have all these, uh, you know, this influx of people? Well, Secretary Mayorkas has told employers, or excuse me, told ICE that they cannot go to employment sites and um, verify that people are working here legally. So we're going to have a lot more illegal work happening. And yet we see many, many signs still on lots of storefronts, you know, help wanted um, as continued fallout from COVID. And yet uh, we know that there are American workers who 
are still sitting home from COVID, you know, deciding not to go back into the workforce. And I, we are going to fall into this trap where uh, both this administration, the left, and some you know, businesses and even folks on the right saying, well, we just need more migrant workers to fill this need when we know there are American workers. There's a supply there that um, just have, have still decided due to COVID, you know, mentalities changed and that weren't willing to go back into the workforce. Yeah, well, that's embarrassing uh, in its own right, for sure. I mean, I was talking earlier in the program, you know, Twitter employees having to give themselves a day off because they couldn't deal with the reality of uh, free speech. That's just, you know, how lazy and what a bunch of sissies they've all become. Um, what about uh, the impact on our uh, America's uh, health care and our other services? What type of impact do we get there? It's going to be higher price tags. Uh, these these folks coming, they're coming from over 157 countries around the world. And so, you know, most of those are not going to have provide as good health care as the U.S. does, uh, whether it's COVID or other diseases or health issues. And so there's going to be a big price tag uh, for American taxpayers to uh, provide health care for this population when they show up in the hospitals, the emergency rooms, or urgent care, et cetera. You know, our waits will be longer to get a doctor's appointment or in the waiting room. And uh, it's very frustrating. And, you know, American taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for this. So um, I would, we're going to be recommending that states can Uh, do a number of things to make it more difficult for illegal immigration to occur in their states um, among issues that states have control over. Uh, And that would touch on costs for health care, et cetera. Yeah, and I I hope that uh, the states that are going to be proactive in that area do a great job and and, uh, protect their citizens for sure. Because like you said, this is a double whammy. This is money um, in these spending uh, programs that has already been allocated to the NGOs. Okay, that's taxpayer money. And then you look at, as you mentioned, it's going to be higher costs. We already see higher labor costs. Because uh, for the legal workers out there, employers are having to pay them more, um, not enough to keep up with inflation, but to pay them more. And, of course, they they can't absorb all that. We've seen that. So that's passed on to us. So this is just a dog chasing its tail, it seems like. Yes, there are many costs associated with this. Public education, larger classrooms, more demand for English as a second language instruction or other counseling um, detention costs, not to mention, you know, the, the fentanyl that's coming in uh, and the lives that is taking, <clears throat> as well as, um, you know, other crime. So there are untold number of costs, whether it's financial or health or even with our lives. And the administration seems to care about none of it. Yeah, I agree. It's sickening. It really is. And I hope more people uh, out there in the media uh, do a better job at covering it and uh, bringing forth the facts like you guys do at the Heritage Foundation. My guest this morning has been Miss Laura uh, Reese. She's the director of Border Security and Immigration Center 
um, over at uh, the Heritage Foundation. If you go to heritage.org and uh, just uh, do a search, her last name is R-I-E-S, and uh, you can see all of her great work there. Laura, thanks so much again for being part of the program. We always like having you and all the great information that you provide. Well, thanks, Chris, for having me on. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Um, always like talking with uh, Laura. She's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to what's going on at the border. It's sickening, isn't it? I mean, and dangerous. And, you know, you hear about um, the abuse that goes on for a lot of them that get here. And then uh, those that come in, we don't know if they're, um, you know, if, if they're safe to have here. We hear about um murders and gangs and drugs, as uh, Laura mentioned, you know, with the fentanyl, the record number overdoses, uh, people driving without uh, license. They don't know what they're doing and, you know, killing people uh, and or themselves in car accidents. It's just uh, this is sickening. It really is when you step back and look at all of the damage that is being done uh, by these immigration policies, um, it's I don't know that anybody could explain the benefit of it in a truthful way. Uh, and, and again, we didn't even get into what it's probably really about votes. Right. They want to get people here. They want to put them where they think they should be to help with votes. Um, and then they want to, I'm sure, you know, indoctrinate them with uh with their philosophies uh which is just uh, a shame and you know we never even talked about all the people immigrants that did it legally they're probably the most upset uh they you know took the time spent the money put all the sweat in and um they watch all what's going on now they're probably well th- apparently they're very upset and that's why you see a lot of uh the latinos and hispanic hispanics that are leaving the uh, the Democratic Party because of what they're doing. So really a shame. All right, that does it for us. Uh, I will talk with you on the Morning News Express with uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Those are uh, live updates Monday through Friday, 550, 650, We're back here uh, next Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. Uh, you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and uh, get our latest white paper. Will the Biden presidency influence stock markets? A look at parties, politics, and potential returns. Uh, That's right there on the homepage at Murray Financial Group. And uh, we will talk with you soon. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. She's so low maintenance, don't need no champagne, poppin' entertainment. Take her to Wendy's, can't keep her off me. She wanna dip me like them fries in a frosty. But every now and then when I get paid, I gotta score my baby with an upgrade. Yeah, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930, WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.